0: The weather is Episode of the Lure Entertainment Podcast. I am Andrew Southwick, thanks for hanging out with us one more time here, or at least one more time. We're joined once again by Lure Executive, and I don't have a funny name for you this time, Jason. I'm sorry. I was trying to think of some kind of way I could backhand insult you, and uh, while uh, introducing you on the program, but I'm out of stuff today, and I'm in a good mood. So, Lure Executive <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, champions of great projects like the one we're talking about today, Jason
1: Farley, is with us again how you doing jason Great. So glad to be here. And maybe after the show, I can tell you all of the mean things the kids said about me in elementary school. And that'll help you for next time. Oh my
0: gosh, that would be, that's a gold mine. Thank you. I, I would tell those stories to my children at night um, because we, we sleep on the tears of the, yes, of that. Right. Anyway,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, enough about you, Jason. Uh, today, our guest is uh, animator extraordinaire. Uh, he's also got an international ministry. We're going to talk about all that. His lure project, is called Barely Biblical We've got a clip from that And again, we're going to learn more about all those things uh, Tim Ingle, welcome to the Lore Entertainment Podcast Glad to be here all right, well let's get right into it, Tim. Uh, we just I just mentioned barely biblical. We've we've played the uh, the trailer on some previous episodes, or depending on when you're watching this on demand, it would either be previous or later. And uh, we will see a trailer um, in a few minutes here. But uh, first, give us some background. What's your history in in film animation? And we'll also talk about uh, some of the other ministry that you do. But I know a lot of your work has been uh, on the animation side. So what's some of your background?
2: Um, so I've been, um, I I started to do animation when I was little, uh, I was watching cartoons and I was drawing them and I heard somebody say, Hey, you know, this is a job. People do this for a living. And I think I was 10 years old when I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be an animator. Um, and my, I remember my mom said, "Well, you might want to focus more on math and uh, get like a more realistic <laughs> career." Uh, but my dad said, "So my dad, so my dad said." <laughs> <laughs> but my dad told me, um, "You can do anything you want to do uh, as long as you're willing to put in the work." And I mean, he told all of my siblings that. My uh, one of my sisters became a professional cheerleader. You know, she. She, you know yeah. it was it was good advice uh, that's amazing yeah she was the head coach for uh, washington state university cheerleading wait up here in my area yeah in your area she uh, I, she coached the year they went to the rose bowl so she can say that she coached in the rose bowl Well, you, okay. <laughs> that's amazing you're talking about your sister was yeah my sister Okay. So I'm a Cougar fan.
0: Uh, was awesome. State, Wazoo, yeah, I didn't go there. I adopted my fanship for them. I'm originally from Seattle, but all of my family and friends were all Husky fans. And, and in fact, my, my wife, even she went to UW and, and uh, was a Husky fan. So just to make games interesting, I adopted uh, the Cougars when I was really young, <laughs> so that I could be the villain and, you know, and antagonize them. And those Rose Bowl years. So that well, no, must've been like the Ryan Leaf era when she was, uh, yeah. uh Julie yeah so I was a fan during her tenure there That's wow awesome. what, was
2: whole well, well, first, what yep. was What's a small <laughs> world yeah. Awesome. Okay. But yeah so my point was just that uh like I was given a lot of freedom to to try things out uh, my mom sent me to a lot of um you know extracurricular art schools um classes and things like that to encourage me um in my crazy dream of making cartoons, but she also encouraged me to stay good at math. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, for years I, I uh, kept studying art. Um, even in, in high school, I was part of the class that took, um, I took more art classes than any other graduate from my high school up to that point. Wow. And studied animation, Virginia Commonwealth University, um, it was the top public art school when I went there. And um, didn't really learn much animation there. Um, learned a lot about storytelling with visual. Um, my, my degree was in kinematics. Um, so st- studied um, motion picture storytelling. So what, like
0: that. what is kinematics? I'm assuming that's the same route, like where we get kinescope and things like that. So right,
2: Yeah, uh, it's just scope? visual. Um, telling. It's it's like the next step past sequential art. Sequential art is usually like comic books, things like that. It's um, it's telling stories using uh, film, video, animation.
0: Okay, now what is the what's the difference between animation and you know drawing a picture? I mean, you know, like. Yeah, I, I, when I think of animation, of course, I think of like old school stuff, like the old Disney uh, storyboards and all the artists and everything's hand drawn and every frame. And, um, I'm not sure, was that the kind of animation you started with or by that time were we're already working with computers and things or
2: no, I was all on paper. So, um, Mm -hmm. animation means the illusion of life. It means um, bringing things to life. So like Frankenstein's monster, he was an animator, Frank, Dr. Frankenstein was an animator. <laughs> he brought that thing to life. And that's what animators do today. We take things that are not alive, but put the, put the illusion of life into them. And uh, so I did start on paper. Um, flip books was the way I got started with animation specifically, and then uh, you know, home video cameras, starting and stopping because at the time, most cameras couldn't do frame by frame. So, um, we would get like three to six frames, and it would be such a varied rate. We couldn't really keep it synced and timed. but, um, yeah, some of my buddies and I would just draw and take pictures. I remember one summer, we basically were spending the whole summer animating a single scene for some very high quality drawings for high school students, and uh, probably got like six seconds done in the whole summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a there's an episode of uh, parks and recreation where one of the characters ben wyatt he's lost his job and he's all depressed and he takes up uh stop motion or claymation stop motion animation and he's worked for hours and hours and he's really excited and uh it ends up playing yeah about
2: six or seven seconds of material is that kind of like what you were doing So the thing is, when it comes to animation, there's uh, CG animation, which the computer can do a lot of the in-between work for you and and takes the load off of you. There's um, hand-drawn or traditional animation, which uh, generally in the professional world, you have a key animator who does the the major poses. And then you have in-betweeners who do the drawings in between. And depending on the level or quality of animation, you might only have key poses. You just need enough to bring those drawings to life but then you get to stop motion and i i can't do stop motion you you have to be a masochist to do stop motion you have to hate yourself (laughs) because when you make a mistake it's gone you're you're, all the work that you've done to that point you have to start all over so you could be you know 20 seconds into a shot and you have to start all over thankfully there's some tools now they can kind of fix it in post or you can frame match a little bit uh, way better than you used to be able to do um but yeah stop motion like uh rudolph the red or reindeer which plays every year that's um that's the same technique now um of wow. course now they're doing a lot of 3d printing in that and things like that but it's still it is a lot of work um, and for the re- r- the quality, the results that you get from it, it's beautiful because you get you can treat it like a feature film. You can film it like a feature film, and yeah. So I love all of those animations. I-, I did maybe two or three stop motion things, and I said this isn't for me. I don't have the patience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what uh, what were some of your first professional? animation pieces or did you move from studying into being an animator what has that always been your career or did you have a couple of uh, left
2: turns so before you go? after so during college um we were doing some side work we did some um, screen animations for washington nationals um my buddies from middle elementary school middle and high school we all went through the same stuff we were encouraging each other to be animators and to keep drawing and um we we started our own company together and uh, we're doing work for the, the we did some you know, screen animation for the Washington Nationals um, right after college um, while well, I was working for a small studio, Gingerbread Productions and uh, doing really the menial tasks of studio work and, which include dubbing, tapes and um, I did some digital animation there as well Um, And some web animation, too. This was back in the days where animated GIFs were done frame by frame and things like Mm. that. And uh, then I worked for a a studio where we did some stuff for uh, MTV and um, uh, Georgetown Basketball. What did you do for MTV? What's that? what did you do for MTV? Oh, it was stuff for award ceremonies and um, things like that. Just the in, on-screen incidental kind of stuff that nobody actually notices. <laughs> Unless it <laughs> goes like wrong. Animating and things like did that. Did
0: you get to do like one of the one of the Moon Man animations that uh, they would play uh, at the uh, dumpers? This, in, was, this was a decade and a half after that. <laughs> oh, well, that's I, I'd, I'd stop watching MTV by then. Sorry,
2: <laughs> I will look too. for
0: it. I <laughs> will look for it.
2: <laughs> I um, no, but, well, know, that of, was the MTV stuff that w- what they were doing with animation that was really exciting too that that got me more in- interested in seeing that something could be done that didn't fit the mold of what animation generally was it, it wasn't like Saturday morning cartoons which I loved I still love Saturday morning cartoons I watch them but uh, I watched reruns that I make myself, but, (laughs) uh, but yeah, like MTV is where we ended up getting Ren and Stimpy and things like that because, you know,
0: what were were some of the differences, um, whether in terms of the production, the animation itself, or, or just the general atmosphere of animation at MTV that kind of opened your perspective to, well, this can be something different. It
2: was, Certainly that the artists were given freedom they were, um, not told you can't do that or you can't spend that. And a lot of the times from what I've heard, they were working well beyond budget, just doing it themselves. It was passion. And, uh, you know, that I think is what made their, their work stand out, um, (laughs) That's
1: uh that's incredible. Um <laughs> what, what are some of the other ones besides Ren and Stimpy from that area? I mean was that Eon Flux? Was that from Eon that Flux? This one I was thinking area. Yeah. Yeah. So. that one was so striking. I mean, the first time you see it, you think there's nothing like this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just stand out. Yeah
0: i feel i'm glad jason you jumped in with eon flux i've heard of that before now i can i can see it in my mind but even at that time i was i think even when eon flux came out i was still discovering like hidden gems of Wiley coyote like that's how far behind the curve
2: i am uh, when it comes to animation technology some of that stuff looney tunes I mean that's feature animation. We we watched it on television, but it mm-hmm. was made for feature film movie theater size screens, and it, that stuff is masterpieces. We, we don't make huh. cartoons like that anymore. <laughs> that's true.
1: Yeah, you should. Well, you and, should. and it's but it's the combination of the storytelling was so good. The gags were always like next level, yeah. um, and then the animation. Um, they treated it they treated it like it was something that they loved not like uh, you know not not like a job that they just had to put something out you know you th- those guys were for sure brilliant
0: So let me ask you one more kind of um, uh, in the weeds production question, and then we'll get into some of your work um, and ministry work, too. Um, I recently saw a a rundown, and who knows if it's true or not, because it was on the Internet. Well, I guess if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. So and it was Chuck Jones's. He had like 11 rules for the coyote. And, and every cartoon had to follow these rules. Now they look very consistent when I, cause I'm a huge, well, I like Roadrunner fan. So if, if anything, like if I watch cartoon, that's my go-to, but, um, the, the, is that when you're creating a character or when you're animating a character, how much, how many, like, do you set rules to characters so that you have to animate within them in the way they move or the way they behave? Obviously that affects the story, but you know, for, as, as an animator d- drawing, do those kinds of parameters exist in uh, across the board or is that just the way Chuck Jones worked and you work a different way or kind of explain some of that?
2: I've seen the Chuck Jones thing. Also, I can't confirm that that's real, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's probably stuff that happened. Usually yeah. as you work on a character or a series, you get to know the character and things change and new rules are made. And that, um, that kind of happens uh, as you get to know the character, um, they become their own, you know, person that you know. Yeah. Not not real, really, but maybe you start to be able to answer questions about them. How would they answer this? Um. So. Well, there's there was something magical about the way Chuck Jones brought characters
1: to life too, because once they got brought to life by him other people could come along and imitate That's right. Um, and you could have consistency because I mean, Frank Oz was kind of like this when he would create a, you know, a Muppet character, you think, well, if, ha, we all know how Miss Piggy would respond to something, right? The, <laughs> she, she is a real, she's real, but then she's also just f- like on the end of Frank Oz's hand. And so <laughs> there's something magical about the, a really great storyteller um, that would, it, uh, what tolkien calls that sub creator yeah. that you really get a real character that comes to life in a, some sense um th- and w- if somebody says well then miss piggy did this everybody would go well no that's not what miss we that's all right. know what miss figgy would do because like, we all know her Absolutely. chuck jones was like that with tom and jerry and you know, um, the the characters that he brought to life um daffy duck and other although he, it was him and Mel Mel blank somehow oh, that magical man. characteristic together. They would like create a character and then we all know how they would respond. That's right. Yeah.
0: What do you look for? Actually, you, you remind me, you mentioned Mel blank, Jason, that reminds me, um, and to ask this question too, when you are, when you are producing your animated feature of whatever length, how do you know when you find the right voice? And, and you know, there's, there's all kinds of voice actors that do all kinds of things. But that voice is, is pretty critical, more critical maybe than some people might might know. So can you explain a little bit of the, the process of finding the voice and the importance of the right voice for each
2: character? Yeah, so usually I would base it on voices I've heard. So a lot of times I'll make little notes in the script, um, you know, deliver this like, Burt Reynolds right and it's like you know how Burt Reynolds carries himself you know what um, you know what kind of re- re- reaction he'll have um, and it doesn't really necessarily mean they're going to, going to sound like Burt Reynolds but um, that kind of directs the uh, thing so for me it, it helps to, yeah. um, to think of what I've seen It's it's really hard for me to like come from scratch with a new person and then um, bring that character to life, because it would basically be me um, acting out the scene to to make that happen, which a lot of times you see that is what actually occurs. Um, I'm thinking of Brad Bird with uh, Incredibles Edna Mode, Edna Mode. He's like, she would sound kind of like this. And he did the voice and they're like. Hey, why don't you just do Edna? (laughs) So that's, that's another way that it happens is uh, you just bring them to life. Edna mode and guest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's move into uh, some of your ministry work and then we'll get to barely biblical as well. Now you have done a lot of international ministry and particularly uh, with Japan. Um, and I know one of those pieces, and you'll have to tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. But Washi Gospel is that is that accurate, right. man? So maybe tell us a little bit about Japan, Washi Gospel. How'd that get started? What kind of um, you know responses and, and impact you've
2: seen? So when I was young, um, and I was falling in love with animation, uh, some of the best animation in the world was coming out of Japan and uh, stuff like akira and uh, fist of the north star vampire hunter d things like that these were uh, very influential in me in terms of recognizing art in quality and recognizing that there is um, there's more to animated storytelling than musicals and comedy so um because I was so in love with the animation I was seeing from Japan, I started to get more and more interested in Japanese culture. And um, as I grew and uh, became you know, better at drawing and um, more aware, I started studying Japanese language at age 12 or 13, something like that. I started to get to know the Japanese culture more and more. Um, I, then I came to Christ. Uh, it was after college, um, just after college, um, and I came to Christ. And that's when I realized um, that the in Japan, the church is very small. Um, it's been less than 1% um, Christian as a nation for over three decades. Wow. Uh, just It just broke 1% like in the last census. So it's like 1.2% christian now so it's it's going in the right direction it's the only religion um to grow in percentage uh last year so is it really wow in japan wow and um so that around then i was thinking okay so what do i do i've got salvation you know i've got hope i want to share my faith um i got cartoons animation and i got a love of japan So it was 2004, a few years later, that I first went to Japan. I worked with some missionaries there and um, did just some media. I used my media skills, DVD production and stuff like that. Um, And I got to just spend some time with some missionaries who had been in Japan for a few decades and um, learn from them, learn about what the process was like of um, just doing ministry there. and there was such a focus on relationship and I was, I came home frustrated and I thought, oh, I just wish there was a way to bypass this, um, the need of relationship and, you know, just get the message out there. I, I thought that, uh, the population would, um, would grow if, uh, it were, if it weren't for the, the burden of having to have a relationship before you can share your faith so i um i found some other people that agreed with me uh, a pastor who's um he's just an amazing story relater he was able to see the gospel in pretty much any movie and um we worked together and built a nonprofit it was called let's love japan and it was um, designed to be to use animation and story as a tool for sharing the gospel. And uh, we developed a, a Christmas story called Sugoku um, is a Totally Mysterious Christmas. And it's about some girls in Tokyo who get a text message on Christmas. And um, it, when they respond to it, they end up teleporting back in time to the birth of Christ and in um, finding out what um, the true meaning of Christmas was. And we know hundreds of thousands of people saw it, but we had no fruit, no numbers, nothing to show that it was impactful. And I was like, what is going on? Why? Why do we not know? And then a few years after that, I um, I was part of the C.S. Lewis Institute's fellowship program. And there's so much emphasis on discipleship and relationship in that program. And, uh, I came out of that and I was like, Oh, right. Relationship. That's actually, (laughs) there's a reason that's important in Japan. And, um, and that's true all around in Japan, not just in sharing your faith, but just in living your daily life. Um, if you're dishonoring to anyone, if you're, um, belittling or, you know, you come in and try to smash their gods, it's, it's not going to work.
0: And uh, so let me, let me ask you here. I know you're in the middle of a story, but I want to, I want to ask real quick. Can you uh, give us a quick snapshot? You you mentioned that relationship and that was kind of a, I don't know, a different concept of ministry, maybe even a different concept of culture. Just quickly uh, compare and contrast a little bit. Our American culture with the Japanese culture and how that informs uh, faith, ministry, and storytelling. Sure. And the differences between our stories and Japanese stories that are effective in each culture.
2: That's awesome. Great. So in the West, we've grown very focused on legalism, um, guilt versus righteousness. And when we share the gospel, we often use a four spiritual laws type of approach where we, we share the, you know, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and um, you know, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You know, we, we present the gospel from that aspect. Um, You're a sinner. If you die today, where would you go? There's a, there's a lot of focus on the afterlife, right? Mm -hmm. In Japan, if you tell someone, you know, everyone's a sinner. Well, the word for sin in Japanese is sumi, which means crime or criminal. So if, if you're, if you're telling someone that they're a sinner, you're telling them that they're a criminal and they can honestly usually say, no, I'm not. I've never committed a crime. Hmm. Uh, and if you say to them, if you died tonight, where would you go, heaven or hell? And they might say, well, you're telling me that my grandparents went to hell and my, all of my ancestors went to hell, right? So, you're go- so why would I wanna go anywhere where they're not? It's because they have a relationship to, the, to their ancestors. Um, They don't have that guilt, uh, righteousness, concern in their hearts. They have an honor and shame concern, um, generally speaking. And so it's more honoring to be with their grandparents. And it's so dishonoring to them to come in and say, you know, your grandparents are in hell, you know, things like that. But sadly, a lot of Westerners. Um, Western missionaries, that's how they have been approaching Japan. And it's not the majority, I hope, but um, that is an issue. And uh, so when one one of the things that story does is uh, it doesn't just develop a relationship, um, a a superficial relationship like we think it does. Story actually touches the heart and the mind um, a lot like a personal experience. I think that's why much of the Bible is narrative is God wants us to build relationships with those who've gone before us in the faith. And also that will strengthen our relationship with him. And um, so using story in Japan is a very powerful tool. But what we found was story paired with personal relationship is the best way to be able to share your faith. So um, I'm working with Second Level Ministry, which is a Japanese discipleship organization. And um, they approached me and said, what can we do using animation and story? And uh, we worked with their um, book called First Level, which is um, it's five questions. Um, Who is God? What is man? What is sin? What is the cross of Jesus? And what is salvation? So we took those stories, um, or not stories, but those topics, and we expounded on them visually to, um, to tell the story of God's creation through salvation uh, using washi paper. Um, washi paper, wa means uh, harmony, but it also is the proper term for Japan. It's like the ancient name of Japan is wa and um and she is paper so washi means japanese paper and um we created an animation that looks like folded paper or origami doesn't follow the rules of origami which means no cutting or tearing but um it uh it tells the story of creation of the fall of the individual um, being made by god with intention um for a purpose for relationship And it shows the separation of the individual from God, but his desire to be reunited with us. And um, it shows the way that Jesus came and provided that way and is the way. And uh, then it really, it becomes a structure for a Japanese believer to share their faith with their friends and family who say, what is the reason for the hope that is in you?
0: And that and that is what became washi gospel and and you also have I know I'm, I'm advancing a little bit and Jason if you want to follow up
2: well let me just share with wash about washi gospel that was nominated for best evangelistic production last year for the um, well it was last month actually for uh, the crown Awards which is a Christian um, storytellers award ceremony and it was up against the chosen um running the bases, like a lot of pretty big um, Christian productions last year. So uh, it was a very small production. It was the only um, one that was under 20 minutes, (laughs) but um, to be recognized like that was pretty amazing. Uh, It's currently being used by CGN TV, which is the largest Christian broadcaster in Asia. Um, and it's it's not only being used in Japan. There, it's also being used in Korea, Thailand, China. I'm sorry, in Chinese, and uh, <laughs> maybe it gets into <laughs> China. And uh, but it's just um, it's amazing to see how it's it's crossing cultural lines, even though it's extremely Japanese. It is um, it's very, it's very Japanese. I, if I can say
0: that well that was that was uh very uh, what's what i'm looking for i can't even think of it now um, i almost said fortuitous but that's not right it doesn't matter that was prescient there we go i don't know why i thought fortuitous impression but anyway that was prescient because my next question was going to be you it, it was distributed through cgn tv it's also um crew i think
2: uh, carries crew, it well. they're in the process of doing the the legal getting the legal rights their lawyers are very um detailed so <laughs> But yeah, they're going to be using it in Japan um with their ministry there. That's incredible. So a little and is it just is it a series or is it one It's five of- parts, but um it's a short film when they're all together.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's one narrative and it's got five That's chapters. Right. right. Okay. Um Jason, any follow-up on that before we move to uh barely biblical?
1: Uh well one of the things that I find really interesting is um the way that the gospel sort of um is can be shaped into any culture and then it ends up shaping the culture what what kind of stuff do you you know you you mentioned the kind of honor shame as central um but when it comes to storytelling is there something that japanese do different or they think differently about storytelling than we do or is it just con you know is it just the content that makes it different and
2: well i i think storytelling is innate in the human heart um but there's a way of presenting the story that when you watch a japanese movie let's say the the number one gross scene film actually i think demon slayer may have beat it but uh your name kimono nawa is called um that it was the top-grossing film in Japan, uh, so it. I think it unseated Spirited Away, which was really, the, which was the top animated or top film okay. in Japan. In Spirited Away, had unseated Titanic, so <laughs> the number one money-making films in Japan are animated films, and there's a way. There's just something in those stories that they don't simply tell the story but they tell the heart that's that's behind the story and um you know even though those aren't christian movies the the gospel is throughout them and uh you know i I believe that a a japanese believer could watch one of those films with their friends and say you know what that reminds me of (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: well, um, let's, let's move forward here and we'll talk about barely biblical before we do. Let me see if I can effectively, I did it last week. Um, let me see if I can effectively, uh, get our, uh, um, our preview queued up, and uh, we'll take a look at that, and then we'll uh, dissect how you came up with this idea and what you're hoping to do with it, why lore is a good platform, all kinds of stuff. Let's check out the uh, trailer for Barely Biblical. The Philistines have sent out their champion, Goliath of Goth.
2: Okay, whoa, 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 who is this uncircumcised fluff
1: bag? bear that we may fight together you can
2: take him do you
1: see that guy it's like he's stuffed with steel wool
2: you know i may look soft but i'm a hardened man of might whenever bears and lions tried to steal a lamb from my father's flock i defeated them easily yeah, we could fight him, but first we're trying to figure out what King Saul might give
0: to the one who's able to take him down. I bet he'd give him treasures in a house to store them. Well, I think King saul give his daughter in marriage. Which daughter?
2: Perhaps nice, but my cow's a gal cow worth at least a hundred foreskins. Pass that over. Whoa, whoa, bro.
0: I'll take care of the sheep, but first I'm going to take care of this mouthy Philistine. <gasps> Barely biblical. That uh, That is the uh, project. Uh, funding now on Lore. I know that said funding soon, but yeah, it's funding now on Lore as it's up and running. You can subscribe today at Lore.tv. So, Tim, that I have so many questions about what I just saw in that, in that uh, uh, trailer. I also showed it to my wife today, and I'll, I will give you one guess. As to the question she has about Beverly Biblical, perhaps we'll dig into that a little bit. But first, um, where did the idea come from? And uh, well, I'm going to start there. I almost double-barreled you, but let's do it one at a time. Where did Beverly Biblical come from?
2: So Jason probably doesn't even know this, but uh, when my son was probably like four or five, six years old, he um, he was telling me about Pokemon, like, this and what I mean, not Pokemon the show or the game or anything like that. He was talking about individual Pokemon and what they were, um, what their skills were, you know, what were they water type, fire type, or psychic type, and um, what their weaknesses were and these things. And I was like, How many do you know about? And he was like, I don't know. I think he said something around 500. So I'm like, You know, the names, the evolutions the types and the weaknesses of all of these Pokemon, 500. I said, well, can you name the 12 apostles? How about the 12 tribes? (laughs) (laughs) So, which showed my deficiency, right? (laughs) Because, uh, you know, that's my responsibility. But it really made me think, why do kids know Pokemon, hundreds of Pokemon, but they don't know about the heroes of old. And what could I do to make the kids more interested in looking in that direction? Because I don't believe that the reason is because it's not interesting. If the kids hear about the apostles, um, they're going to get excited, not merely what's in the Bible, but what happened even after the canon was closed in the, the, um, You know, they, they went out and they died for, for what they knew to be true. Mm -hmm. Um, The the heroes of old, just amazing stories of God's providence and salvation um, through the, through the millennia. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, if it's not the Bible, that's a problem. What is it? And I started to pay more attention to the way bible heroes were portrayed um especially in sunday school and how watered down and you know they they usually only had you know an hour or so a week to tell a a story but they they just weren't there and um so we started to fill in those gaps and and let the um um, teach my son and, and now my daughter about those things. And uh, my son also loves to read. Both my kids love to read. Uh, my son read more novels than I had by the time he was seven years old. And uh, we said, well, put the brakes on that a little bit. B- between every novel you read, you have to read a, b- a book of the Bible. And one day, um, I'm going to say he was eight years old. I, uh, I, I saw him reading the Bible. I said, oh, what are you reading? And he said, Hosea. <laughs> now, for, for those who might not know hosea is about a prophet who was told to <sighs> rescue a prostitute and marry her and she continued to leave him and cheat on him and uh he kept that's like, that's <laughs> like
0: what's you watching pretty woman I, uh, okay
2: there you go exactly so <laughs> i said um you know, do you, do you have any questions about what you're reading? <laughs> you need any words to find? No. Uh, okay. We'll just leave it at that. But, you know, I started to think what, what is it? Um, how can I present the stuff in the Bible that they're not going to talk about in Sunday school, but it is valuable at the right level at the right age to start to talk about these things and get into these things. And so that we can, you know, my kids can see how much God loves them. Um, And so uh, goofing around with the ideas with my wife, um, she always gets to hear my stuff first. And uh, we were saying, well, one of the issues that people have is the violence. They don't want to show that kind of violence. And I said, well, wouldn't it be great if we did it with like puppets or like teddy bears or something like that? And, you know, sure we could still have them die and get, you know, cut up, but it's just stuffing. So that's really where the whole idea started was, uh, it was around the dinner table, just talking about these ideas. These, there was a, a need that we saw. And, um, thankfully we have the ability to, to make the answer to that too. So
0: you mentioned at the beginning, uh, explaining, uh, explaining the, the idea behind barely biblical that, um, you don't believe, or, there, or the reason that more kids don't, you know, know more about God and His Word is not because it's boring. And I think right. in our American Western Church, I think we've adopted um, from adult ministry and especially in children's ministry this idea that jesus is boring and in our evangelism and so we try to spice him up and or we or we try to present him in some kind of a way that we think is more exciting but what that's actually doing i think it has the reverse effect we're communicating that he's boring instead of just communicating him for who he is and yeah maybe in maybe the method of presentation needs to change just like it would change for cultures. As we just talked about, um, maybe it would change for ages or life stages, but that doesn't mean we're trying to, um, you know, semi apologize for being the church or semi apologize for Jesus not including the good stuff in his word. You know, <laughs> we'll, you know, we, we'll, we'll, you know, we, we'll, let's make sure that we have a dunk tank nearby. Otherwise, they won't have any appetite for this. Right. Um, and one of the things I, you know, for children's ministries, that I that I, I always think is lacking is just it's not a there's not enough emphasis on parents in children's ministry if that makes any sense because as you know it's our responsibility as parents to raise our kids not our not our children's teacher or or whoever it might be it, it, did some of that factor into uh, maybe some of the story choices and and uh, in developing this like hey this is also a tool you know parents can see this and it can engage parents with their children. In raising them in God's
2: word, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, so there's a lot you touch on. So I, it is a pet peeve of mine when a pastor stops mid-scripture and says stuff like, "Now, when the Bible says there was a guard, a Roman guard in front of the tomb, that's 300 soldiers." And it's like, "What? Where did you pull that from?" That you know <laughs> that. I, but I've heard things like that, and it's like, uh, uh, even just one or two roman guards it's pretty amazing you know so why stop and say stuff that's probably not true who knows if it's true so the, i i get frustrated by that um spicing up of scripture instead of just reading it and and just praising god for what he's done yeah. and uh but then in regards to parents yeah the the sunday school you know is not the place where kids come to know God or wrestle with his word. The home is where they come to know God and wrestle with his word. And what's going on Monday through Saturday is just as important, more important actually than Sunday school. And, um, and you no, know, I love um, Sunday school teachers. My wife volunteers in the Sunday school. She used to lead and um, there's nothing I'm not saying anything bad about Sunday schools or VBS or anything like that, but if it's not happening Monday through Friday and Saturday as well, then it it might as well not be happening because they're going to be consuming and enjoying content the rest of the week. And if it doesn't come from scripture, it's going to come from the world. And so that was one of the, the drivers behind, um, behind this is giving kids something to say, I want to watch that. There was um and with VeggieTales, people wanted to watch it because it was funny. Um the people that really made that uh popular was actually college students working at the, you know, the Lifeway bookstores mm-hmm. and the moms would say, What what movie, what video is good for my kid? And they'd say, VeggieTales, because it makes me laugh. And uh, you know, we, there's a lot of emphasis with Barely Biblical about it being violent and showing the violence that's, that's in the scriptures. But it's actually a comedy more than an action show. It's an action comedy. Um, it's more in the line of Animaniacs, uh, pinky in the brain type of jokes, uh, humor. And it's, it's really aimed at being available uh, intellectually to kids and to parents, uh, especially boys and dads. To get them to say, wow, that was pretty funny, or that was pretty cool. Is that really what the Bible says? And when we present the stories, we don't just say, this is a story. Um, We say this is from this book of the Bible or this uh, section of the Bible. So that after watching it, they can then go and read it and see what really happened, uh, how close to scripture was this cartoon. And, uh, I think they will be really surprised.
0: Now, let me ask you this question, this, um, because I need to ask it for my wife. Cause if I don't, you know, then I'm in trouble and we can't have that. Now, <laughs> the, the, my wife said that looks awesome. She said, the only thing I wonder is, is this going to, inc- we have four boys and a girl, So so the only thing I wonder is, is it somehow going to convince our boys to compare their possible lifelong mates with how many foreskins they're worth?
2: (laughs) I sure hope so yeah right don't settle for less than 100 and if it's 100 double it it's a a valid
1: currency of love that's the (laughs) the the
0: the devil's advocate question on that is obviously one of the objections is i don't know that i want my son or daughter to learn that word um
2: (laughs) Is, if, you know what? They're going to stumble across it anyways, um, yeah. whether in scripture yeah. or whether it's their friends on the playground joking about it. Um, it. This cartoon's aimed at seven to 14 year old boys and their dads. Um, yeah. I've had one father say, I, I had just shared the idea, and he was like, I don't know if I want my kids watching some of the violence that's in the Bible. I said, Has your kid ever seen episode three of Star Wars? Did he see Anakin get? chopped up into pieces and burning in lava? He's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I yeah we, to, oh, go ahead.
1: I used to run um, junior high, high school outreach for a church and our most popular outreach Bible study was called all the naked people in the Bible. (laughs) And we, and that was, we we just, that was what our outreach Bible study was. Um, and, uh, it started with Adam and Eve and it ended with Jesus on the cross. Right. So, Mm. um, and, and then you'd go through the different, you know, the, you know, Mark fleeing with the, his clothes being taken off. And, and Mm -hmm. it's a, the, um, the students loved it because they felt like somebody's finally telling them the stories that people have been avoiding from the Bible, you know? Um, And, uh, but then also (laughs) they're all, they're all in there. You know, you get to talk about Ezekiel laying on his side for um, 200 and some days, you know, all of the things like, this is God's prophet. This is God told him to do this. Um, And it, it, it messes with our idea of God as the prim and proper, um, school marm mm-hmm. who's, yeah. who's there just trying to get us in trouble, uh, all the time, because that I think is what a lot of non-Christians especially think is in the Bible. Uh, for whatever reason.
0: You know, I got to tell you, that Ezekiel story about him laying on his side. I, If I lay on my side for 270 days, people call me lazy. And I say, no, I'm
2: just...
0: <laughs> I'm trying to be like Ezekiel here. Would you excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> what would Ezekiel
1: do? Yes. W-W-E-T. What would
2: Ezekiel
1: I would
2: do? Lay
1: down? <laughs> yeah.
2: It's uh, funny because I've seen comments saying, I think all the best jokes are in the trailer. <laughs> but I don't a barely biblical. I don't think that's the case. I think no, I don't think so. Either. There's a whole lot more. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: and what, what's interesting, too, is, you know, as I as I travel around or just go, you know, go to bars in the evening and um, meet with people. And I like to just stop and ask everybody at the bar, hey, here's a show. Here's a show my network's putting out. How many of you would watch it? And every single time, every single person raises their hand, and the non Christians, when I say well, "why," they say, because well, I want to know what's in the Bible." I'm, I actually am curious what's in there. I um, mean, and if it's accurate, I'll watch it, especially if it's funny. So mm-hmm. the, the, um, I, I think it's going to go much broader than simply just you know Christians.
2: Absolutely. And the me- first episode is about sixty five percent straight from scripture like the dialogue and it's it's all about timing the bible is very funny (laughs) yeah
0: All uh, right, so let me ask you this question. This is for both of you. We'll start with Tim, then Jason, and so we'll get the uh, both sides of this this answer. Tim, for some reason, you decided that Lore was the best platform for Barely Biblical. Now, yes, Lore is a funding platform, and it's a different way to fund productions. But that's not the only reason why. Uh, in fact, that's you know that's not the only reason why most of the contributors and most of the filmmakers and creators chose Lure for their platform. Why do you think? I mean, you've got, you know, other connections, CGN TV and crew and all this other stuff through your Wash a a Gospel Project. I'm sure there's other contacts, there's other places you could have looked for distribution and so on. Why is Lure the platform of choice for Barely Biblical? And then Jason, what stood out to you about, uh, to you and the the, uh, Lure team, Marcus and John and everybody, uh, about Barely Biblical that you said, yeah, this is is something we want to contract and have on our platform. Well, we'll start with Tim.
2: Yeah, so um, I've had this idea for years now, and uh, I've shared it with people and been told I don't think it's going to fly. Um, the studios that I was able to pitch it to, um, I was told it's funny, I like it, but we're not going to be able to make it. Um, I even before the pitch uh, pitchathon where I met Lord Lord execs, I um I was told by the one of the heads of the conference, um, that's not like a good idea to pitch here. It's, it's, it's not going to fly. But after hearing that, I heard Marcus go up on stage and say, we want to hear the show that no one else here is going to uh, give a chance. And uh, so I had actually left all of my stuff that I had developed for Barely Biblical at home and only brought my kind of cute preschool shows things like that and uh you know i did pitch to other i did pitch barely biblical to other um producers that day and i'd say half of them said they love it and want to make it but can't and um, the other half just was like yeah no no, not at all Uh, but lore was not they didn't only say yes they said oh yes this is exactly what we're looking for and uh, i was excited about it the the best thing though about lore is not um the it's not actually the freedom it's not the platform of funding it's actually that i get to keep my ip Hmm. i'm going to own barely biblical even after this um and You know, one of the issues with VeggieTales was a a distributor got the rights to it um, because they were making the VHS tapes. That's some loophole in a contract really messed that company up, messed up a big idea, um, and and hurt them so badly. And uh, the lore contract is the best contract I've ever seen. It's so clean and, um, and, it allows creators to not have to sacrifice their babies to be able to make what they want to make. That's actually the main reason that I like lore
0: so jason how about you 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 guys saw this picture you just said you know marcus got up there and said we want to hear you know send us your huddled masses right effectively (laughs) and uh uh, what what was it that stood out to you in about this project and and even maybe you can speak a little bit for the team in uh why you said hey let's 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 carry this on the platform
1: well it it was a couple of things that stood out but the first one was just the courage The, the courage that said the um I want to present the Bible the way the Bible presents the Bible. Um, that is something that uh, uh to, we over and over and over, I hear pitches where they say, well, look, it's Christian, but it's going to be hidden. I'm going to hide it. I'm going to, um and, and I say, well, why, why are we hiding it? It's like, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to hide it. Like, I, I want to, it to be really well made and in a genre you wouldn't expect but i don't want to hide the christianity um i don't want to see an artist trying to hide it i want to see an artist trying to show that it's beautiful show that it's good show that it's better um in a straightforward way um and uh uh, in an honest way you know and so the first thing was just um (laughs) when he said i want to Make a show about teddy bears doing acting out the Bible accurately, and we, and we went accurately. And he said, for example, the uh, the tag on the Gentile bears is full length. The tag on the Jewish bears is clipped. Oh man! <laughs> and I, mean, Marcus, and I couldn't quit talking about the pitch for the next we had another seven pitches come afterwards and we were both trying to hold it together because we couldn't wait for the pitch to be done so we could talk more about barely difficult we were so excited um because it's funny it's it's really but it's funny but like you said it's it's scripture and what one of the things that makes it funny is saying the thing saying the parts of scripture out loud that you're not allowed to say this is that's that is humor it's that transgressive humor that says well you're not actually allowed to talk about the fact that david used foreskins to get his wife (laughs) right like but but that was what that was what he was told to do and so he did it you know and you think well that that story is um that's the part we leave out because we're embarrassed of um in the modern world but we i i think it we live in a time and a day and age when we need to just not be embarrassed of the Bible. I mean, every age Absolutely. is like that. Um, but, but the, the combination of the courage, the lack of embarrassment for the Bible, and then just, just the humor of it, I think is the other thing that really stands out. It's re- at, it's really high level. Um, it's, it's high, it's high. The, the craft is really high level. Um, you know, the, the, the writing is really high level. The, the quality of the the, uh, voiceover acting is really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you see James Arnold Taylor is on there. That guy is when I, when I met him for the first time, um, I mean I I was like oh my gosh I want to get my picture taken with you you're Anakin Skywalker you're the Flash you're you know, and and then and I didn't even know or maybe maybe he wasn't working with you yet Tim when we met him no, I can't not I remember yet, not yet. yeah he wasn't working so he ended up working on Barely Biblical um but I was just a fan of his work for for years before um i met him and then to, for him to then connect with Barely Biblical's been uh, incredible so
2: yeah. I'm excited he's because he's just a good guy all around. He's just oh, he a is. really great guy. They say don't meet so your great. heroes, but he <laughs> yeah, he lived up to it.
1: <laughs> he, yeah, he really did. So he's a, he's a great guy. He's um, he, and he, he's just you know earnest in his faith, and I I really really enjoyed him a lot. And so the fact that he ended up on Barely Biblical as well. I think is just. Um, just a, a huge gift from God. He's so good at what he does. So uh, the the high level of the craft is the other thing that has me really, really excited um, about the show. You know, I know what, that we have lightning in a bottle with this show. Um, and so it's just a matter of getting uh, you. We, if we can get it made. Um, we have. We have the next breakout. We've got the next VeggieTales yeah. sitting on the shelf behind us, and we're trying to say, like, "Yeah, we just we just need to show it to you guys. Um, yeah. This is this is going to be huge. I think it actually could be bigger than VeggieTales because I think it has the the possibility of breaking out far beyond just the Christian market in a way that VeggieTales never was going to. Um, and so, uh, because it's not um, it's not moralistic. The way VeggieTales was and hmm. Christians will put up with moralism all day long. They, they pay people to tell them th- things that make them feel bad. Um, the world doesn't do that. But this because it's from the Bible, I think it has the possibility of breaking out far uh, wider than VeggieTales ever did.
0: All right, Tim, we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, I always like to do a little elevator pitch at the end of each show from the creators because, you know, part of the part of the uh, sharing of the story is asking the Lure subscribers, hey, this is worth your loot or at least a portion of your loot to help uh, fund excuse me to help fund this project so you're in an elevator and uh you know what do you want people to take away from barely biblical and why is it worth the loot
2: well i think that this is a show that doesn't make the audience or take the audience for granted it doesn't say well yeah they'll watch it because it's christian um and in fact I think it's from the other direction It's going to have non-Christians watch it and say, I'm watching it, even though it's Christian, um, because it's not merely um, the Bible, but it's the Bible with sincerity. Um, and it's the action and the humor that's in scripture that reveals that part of God um, to the audience. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff in the Bible that we gloss over or we don't really catch. Um, but you know, it's that serrated edge of sarcasm that is in, uh, it's in the word that, um, but brought forth in, <laughs> in the images of teddy bears, <laughs> um, cartoon teddy bears. And, you know, I, I really do believe that, um, if you help fund the show that we're going to do something great, uh, You'll not only get something that you'll enjoy watching, um, enjoy having your kids watch, but you'll also have something you want to share and um, that you'll be able to proudly say, Hey, I helped make that happen. And um, yeah,
0: so. And I'll say this, and then Jason, I'll give you the last word on the show here to uh, um, uh, make a last pitch for Barely Biblical as well. But I wanted to add this as you were talking, you know. W- One of the things I think that adults and parents um, can take away from barely biblical is the Bible as presented. I mean, I would I'd be willing to wager that very few adult Christians percentage wise in the West um, even know anything about, you know, David uh, collecting the foreskin for his bride, things like that, you know, stuff in, in scripture that. You because you, we've all heard about effectively the VeggieTales version in one way or another, that gets regurgitated over time and it leaves out other detail that actually makes the story richer, that makes it deeper also, I think makes the Bible more relatable because we, we're, not, we're not trying to apologize for its content in any way, whether we're embarrassed by it or whether we think it's boring or whatever it might be. We're presenting it, here it is, and I think there's as much... Uh, that parents can learn from Barely Biblical as their kids. Uh, Am I getting the wrong wavelength there, Tim? Or or is that something you... Well, yeah, that's
2: the thing. Because it's not about the shock of the word foreskin. It's about kids going and reading, and dads too, going and reading. Why the heck would they say, you know, a a woman is worth foreskins? And they'll learn that Saul was a coward and afraid of David. So he gave him an, an impossible task go kill 100 philistines and prove that you killed them by taking their foreskins because it's going to be a lot harder to take them without killing them first so the idea that saul had was i'm going to kill david by giving him an impossible task david said yes she's worth it and killed 200 philistines evil people and brought back a big sack of foreskins for his <laughs> new father-in-law. I like, like to think of you him on a neckless with us. that. <laughs> Make a coat.
0: I feel like I'm in third grade. <laughs> All right, Jason, you got to, I, I need a moment to compose myself. Okay. So All right. Make, make a bitch here and uh, then I will get, I will close the show and we'll probably never be back on the air. Okay. All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when they tested teenage mutant Ninja turtles in the early nineties and um seeing just the test run of the pilot episode and telling every single person, "Oh my gosh, you got to see this show when it comes out, it's going to be amazing. You got to see it." And imagine that, but you get, you said, "Oh my gosh, you got to see this show that I helped fund." Mm. But not only are you at the beginning of it seeing it first, You helped fund the show that I think could be the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, could be the next VeggieTales, could be the next breakout animation hit. Um, And you helped fund it. I mean, you're telling your grandkids about that someday. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's worth uh, pouring your loot in and buying the extra gold loot and everything just so you can say, no, I I saw it coming. I knew it was going to be as big as it is, because I think that's what we've got on our hands with Barely Biblical is that kind of hit.
0: Well, there you have it, barely biblical, from the um, incredibly agile and fertile mind and animation uh, talent of uh, Tim Ingle. And uh, Tim, thank you for being on the show today. We really appreciate you. We've got uh, your Instagram running at the uh, bottom of the screen for those of you who want to follow up with Tim. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's where you're at. Is there anywhere else or any other place that you want to let people that's know where be. they can? that's the spot all right so write that down uh, follow him there on instagram uh animation instagram.com slash Intelectric animation and uh for jason farley i'm andrew southwick uh and again also for jim ingle uh barely biblical remember um that is funding now lure.tv you can subscribe today at lure.tv and until next time so long